0: Chapter 7 What? What? Leave the ship! I screeched. What do you mean, leave the ship? Arbron did not look any happier than I was. They just told me, okay? They didn't ask my opinion. The captain called me from debriefing, had me run to the bridge, said, You and Aris be at Docking Bay 7 in ten minutes. And I said, Yes, sir. I had taken the humans to a holding room, and then, while waiting for my own debriefing, I'd gone back to the dome to eat. I was very hungry. I was on my way to check back on Lorraine when Arbron intercepted me. "'This can't be right,' I moaned. "'The Star Sword is my home. We're going to find that York Task Force and destroy them.' "'Yeah, yeah, I know.' And you'll be a big hero, and they'll make you a prince without even slowing down to make you a warrior. That's not what I was thinking. I lied. Well, forget it. Come on. We move out immediately. We're supposed to meet up with our commander for this mission. Something about the tone of Arbron's Thoughtspeak speak made me wary. Our commander? Who's our commander? none other than war prince alaron semitor Karas, arbon said both my heart sank into my hooves alaron alaron the disgraced so this mission was definitely not a reward from the captain alaron had once been a great warrior and prince but he had been disgraced i don't know why no one talked about it Everyone just knew that Alaron had broken some law or custom. Being sent off on some stupid side mission with a disgraced war prince was not a good thing. I couldn't believe it. This ship was my home. I didn't want to leave her, not even for a while. It could take a long time before we could rejoin the Starsword. And by then, who knew? Maybe by some miracle, the entire war would be over which would be good, I supposed. What's in Docking Bay 7, anyway? I grumbled as we reached the right door. Arbron swung his stalks back and forth in a who-knows gesture. We opened the door to Docking Bay 7, and there, standing awkwardly on their two legs, were Loren and Chapman. Behind them stood Alaron. I had seen War Prince Alaron around the dome ship at times. He'd always seemed to be deep in thought, like he was off somewhere in his imagination or memory. He was not especially large, but he seemed to be carved from solid steel. Even his fur was a metallic blue, and the bare flesh of his upper body showed faint traces of burn scars. Beyond Alaron was a ship I had never seen before. It hovered just three inches above the polished floor. It was three times the size of any fighter I'd ever encountered. The main section was a fantastically elongated oval that stretched way out in front of three oversized swept-back engines. Three engines, not the usual two! And coming up overhead was the long, graceful arced spike of the main shredder. Oh, she was a thing of beauty! I had never fallen in love with a machine before, but oh, that ship was sweet. I see you like my little toy, Ariths, Alaron said. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, I said. Like, like a work of art. I designed her myself. I call her the Jahar. It's my wife's name. Prince Alaron, what is our mission? Arbron asked. The prince sighed a little, but when he spoke, he was firm and correct. We are to take these two aliens back to their planet, erase their recent memories, and rejoin the starsword whenever we can. Transport work, I said. I didn't exactly sneer, but I felt like sneering. We were just running a silly errand. Excuse me? Erase my memory? Lauren said. No one is erasing my memory. It's necessary, I said as kindly as I could. Your civilization is not ready for what you've encountered. If you go back to your Earth, you'll have to have all memory of this erased. The two humans looked at each other. The one called Chapman made a snorting sound from his nose. Loren made a facial expression that looked troubled. At least, that's how it looked to me. Let's move, Arths, Alaron ordered. Load the aliens. The captain wants to go to Z-Space five minutes from now, and by then, we have to be well clear of the dome ship. Your personal belongings have already been brought from your quarters. No one was in a good mood as we walked up the ramp into the Jahar. The humans were stone-faced, angry, perhaps afraid. Arbron and I were both grim, feeling we'd been shoved off on some stupid side trip. And Alaron could not have been exactly thrilled either. He was a great war prince, and here he was, running errands with only a pair of arths under his command. The one good thing was the Jahar. It was as beautiful inside as out. There were small but luxurious quarters, and there was good green and blue grass under our feet, not hard steel. By some trick of gravity manipulation, Alaran had even created a small waterfall in one corner that went down, splashed into a pool, then fell back upward to fall all over again. Alaran took the helm which left Arbron and me with nothing to do. He executed a smooth launch out of the docking bay, and then, suddenly, we were out in black space, looking up through the real windows at the dome ship. The starsword was silhouetted against the bright rings of the sixth planet. Oh my god! Lauren gasped. That's Saturn! As I watched, the starsword's engines glowed brilliant blue and the dome ship picked up speed. Faster and faster, till suddenly, with a flash, she translated into zero space and disappeared. Faster than light travel, Chapman marveled. It's physically impossible. True, but Z space travel doesn't involve going fast. It involves tunneling through anti space, what we call zero space, and then back into the normal universe at another point. Arbron said. "'But I suppose you analytes keep the secret to yourselves, eh?' Chapman said. "'Not always,' Alaron said darkly. "'Once we shared it. The result was the Yurk Empire that threatens all decent species. Be glad you are safe on your simple planet, alien. The galaxy is not a happy place to be anymore.' Alaron entered the destination into the computer. We would make one brief zero-space jump to approach Earth. But Z-drive travel is not very precise. Even if we were lucky, we'd probably emerge a million miles from Earth itself. It would be a trip of many days to get there. Make the aliens comfortable, Arths, Alaron ordered. Prince, afterward, may I use your ship's computers? "'Arbron asked. "'I have a copy of the Skritna download, and I thought I spotted something strange. "'An exodatologist, eh?' "'Alaron said with a slight sneer. "'The new ideal. "'Warrior. "'Scientist. "'Artist. "'It's not enough to be a fighter anymore, eh? "'They want a gentler, more balanced, more intellectual sort of warrior nowadays.' Arbon looked helplessly at me. I guess so, Warpins Alaron. I mean, that's what they teach us, anyway. For a while, Alaron said nothing. He just stared blankly, not at anyone. Or at least, not at anyone in that room. The electorate wants war without slaughter. They want a clean, neat, honorable war. Fools. I was shocked. You didn't call the electorate fools. You just didn't. Sir? Arbon asked timidly. The computer? What? Oh, yes. The computer. Why not? Use it all you like. The prince said. We're in for a long, boring ride. Chapter 8 It was a long, boring trip. We came out of zero space halfway between the orbits of Earth and a planet Lauren called Mars. We had to travel through conventional space. And we had to keep our speed down so as not to distort time too much. If we'd gone to maximum burn all the way to Earth, we'd have gotten there in a few hours. But on the planet, years would have passed. That's relativity for you. I had little to do. Alaron brooded alone at the helm, or else went to his quarters. And Arbron seemed to have found some project to keep him busy. He spent his time at the computer muttering. It was a side of Arbron I'd never really seen. Mostly he never seemed to take anything very seriously. At least he never took me seriously. But now he was spending days at the console. Whenever I asked him what he was doing, he'd just say, Unraveling a mystery. So I spent most of my time with the two humans. Or at least with Loren. Chapman was as brooding as Alaron. I stood beside Loren at the window and looked out at the blue and white planet. Loren did a thing she called sitting. It's funny to see at first. But, of course, very practical for a two-legged creature. The brown and green parts are land, Lauren was explaining. The blue is ocean. Water. See the bright white at the bottom? That's ice. It's called Antarctica. It's very cold. What sort of ice? Frozen carbon dioxide? Methane? Water. Just frozen water. Ah, of course. That would make sense. And where do you live? Well, see that continent there? The one on the upper left of the planet? See where the line between night and day is? Almost right on that line. She bit her lip. A lip is a mouth part. My mom must be dying from worry. I've been gone for four days already. Dying? Humans could die of emotion? Yes, but soon you will be home. Then she won't worry anymore. Maybe she won't have to die. Lauren smiled. That's just an expression. Then I noticed there were glistening drops in her eyes. Do you have a mother at home? Does she worry about you? I felt a little uncomfortable talking about my parents. And Araths in deep space can't start getting all homesick. Especially since Prince Alaron was nearby, able to overhear everything. I guess she does. My father doesn't though. He was in the military too, when he was young. Of course, we had peace then. I guess maybe they do worry I'll get hurt or whatever. We just had a war, Loren said. That's... that's what happened to my dad He was in it He didn't get killed or anything But he kind of... I don't know After he came back, I guess he couldn't cope with reality So he left I saw Alaron's stock eyes swivel to look at Loren It was practically the first time he'd even noticed her You have wars? I asked But you don't have space shovel. Who do you fight? Chapman arrived then, having arisen from a nap in his quarters. We fight each other, he said. He winked one eye. So, Loren, daddy went nutso, huh? Another whacked out vet. I guess some guys can't take it. Loren's eyes went wide, and then she turned on Chapman. But it was Alaron who spoke. Have you ever been in a war, human? He asked Chapman. Me? No, of course not. That war's over. Then be quiet, fool. Those who have been to war understand. Those who have not have no opinion worth hearing. He looked directly at Lorraine. Even those who return from war may never really come home. Alaron turned his stock eyes back to the helm and said nothing more. Chapman shrugged, but I could see he was intrigued by Alaron. So was I, to be honest. What was he talking about? I'd never heard of an Andalite warrior coming back from the war unable to cope, as Lorne had put it, or whacked out, as Chapman had said. Why would Alaron feel such sympathy? Anyway, Lauren began, tell me this. When you erase my memory, I won't remember any of this? Not even you? I didn't answer. What could I say? It's okay. I'm not mad at you, Lauren said. You're taking us home. And you saved us from those scritchy noses. Scrit naw I corrected. I know. It was a joke. Maybe not a very funny joke, I guess. Ah, humor. Yes, Arbron does that sometimes. But not you? I guess I'm not very funny. Lauren tossed her head in such a way that her long golden hair shimmered very nicely. That's okay. I like serious guys. I guess if my memory is going to be erased, it won't hurt if I ask questions. So... How come you guys don't have mouths? She asked. Chapman seemed to snap out of a reverie. He'd been looking at Alaron. Now he joined the conversation. Loren, how can he answer that question? He doesn't have a mouth. We do. Why do we have mouths? Stupid question. I have a better question. He looked closely at me, focusing first on my stock eyes, and then back down on my main eyes like he couldn't make up his mind where to look. Look, Alfangor, maybe we got off to a bad start, you and me. I wasn't in a great mood, you know? But hey, you guys are really missing out on something here. Do you have any idea how much money we could get for this technology on Earth? I mean, you could ask for anything. It was my turn to laugh. What would we do with Earth money? He shrugged. Okay, forget money. How about power? We could snap our fingers and have all the presidents and prime ministers on Earth waiting on us. We could rule. We're Andalites, I said. Not Yurks. We aren't interested in ruling other species. Ah, well, that's good, I guess. Yeah, that's a good thing. But we could bring peace to Earth. No more wars. Okay, that's it. That's it. Alfangor. It was Arbron. He'd been totally absorbed in staring at the computer display. He'd barely spoken for the last two days. I went to him. I was glad to be away from Chapman. He bothered me. He was completely different from the human Lauren. What is it? I asked Arbron as I came to stand beside him. I looked past him to the computer display. It showed a power field. Lines of intensity in three dimensions. But it also showed lines extending strongly into zero space. It was impossible. A simulation of some sort. A fake. Arbron turned only his stock eyes toward me. This is from the our ship. From the computer download. It was encrypted. But I broke the code. I've been going through the ship's log. A bunch of stupid stuff, mostly. Junk. But yesterday, I found this. I've been trying to figure it out, because, see? There's no way these sensor readings can be right. But now, I think I've got it. I know what it is. He turned all the way to face me. Alfangor, I think this is real. For several seconds... We both just stared at each other. This can't be, I said. Any first-year student could tell you this is impossible. Unless... I felt a chill run up my spine. Alaron! Prince Alaron! Sir! You should see this! The prince turned away from the helm and trotted back to us. What is it, Arths? He said warily. But then his stock eyes focused on the screen. A second later, he was staring with full intensity at the image there. Computer, cross-check for any visual files. To Arbron and me, he said, They would have made more recordings. And then it appeared. It simply appeared on the computer screen. It was perfectly spherical. A simple white sphere. It looked harmless, even dull. And yet, it was the most dangerous, deadly weapon any race had ever created. Because of what it was, it could not be physically destroyed. But it had been hidden. As we watched, dumbfounded and afraid, the computer replayed the Skritna computer log. It had been hidden on the planet called Earth. It had been buried deep in the ground, in a desolate looking area of blowing sand, and a huge stone pyramid had been raised over it. Hidden for 50,000 years. Hidden on an insignificant planet at the far end of the galaxy. And now, it had reappeared. Hey, what's the matter with you guys? Lauren asked. You all look like you've seen a ghost. The Time Matrix! Arvon said. I thought it was just a myth. The second Skritna ship! I yelled, suddenly realizing the truth. The Skritna dug it up. They have it aboard the second ship, the one that escaped into zero space. I looked to Alaron. To my surprise, his eyes were alight with fierce pleasure. The Time Matrix! Hidden for 50,000 years, and now dug up by the Skritna! The deadliest weapon in all of galactic history. And no one but us to go and get it back. It was as if Alron were suddenly ten years younger. Alfangor, Arbron, get back on that skritnak computer log, both of you. We need to know where that second ship ran to. Now he turned to Loren and Chapman. I apologize, aliens, but we cannot take you straight back to your planet. There is no time to waste. The existence of the entire galaxy is at stake! Arbon looked at me and sent me a private Thoughtspeak message. I guess we may still get a chance at being heroes. Hello, Phanomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs' auditory experience. Uh, eight chapters in, and we're only just now getting to the plot. Um... K.A. Applegate had more pages to write, so she decided to let some things breathe. But we're finally getting into some actual plot and not just exposition. Thank goodness. Uh, I don't have too much to say today. Um, Oh, I want to announce the start of my newest project, a limited podcast where I rewatch the AMC post-apocalyptic martial arts action TV show, Into the Badlands. Uh, The podcast is called Into the Radlands and can be found on shoutengine.com slash into the radlands or by visiting my website, The Apocalypse. It is uh, linked there. So if you have seen the show and you want to hear me and my friend Jesse uh, revisit and discuss it, uh, be sure to tune in. If you haven't seen the show and you like, you know, cool martial arts fights I would super recommend checking it out. If you're in America, it's on Netflix. Uh, Or you could just listen to me and Jesse describe it. That's a little weird, but I've done that before for rewatch podcasts. Uh, Up to you, I guess. I'd recommend watching the show, but I'm not going to make you. Um, Also, you know, of course, all the, you know, if you use Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating review, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Write in at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Uh, Alright, I've taken up enough of your time So I'm just gonna get on out of here And I'll see you next week My name is Daniel, and I believe one day The Andalites will come Until then, we fight